What a weekend of football we have just had. There was Derby Delight on one half and Derby Disgust on the other. Roll that intro. Hello and welcome back to the Lost in Possession podcast. Before we kick things off here, just a little message to say, as it stands on average on our, on our videos, 70.6% of you are not subscribed. So first, a very kind message, please and thank you. Hit that subscribe button. It takes 1.2 seconds and is absolutely free. Um, but without further ado, let's kick things off. It was a huge weekend of football. We had two huge derbies. We're not counting the West London derby. The, the Manchester Derby and, of course, the North London Derby. Um, half of uh, half of us uh, are happy, half of us are fuming. So let's start off with the Derby disgust, the Manchester Derby. Jamie, huge, huge knockback in the title race for you guys, losing to your rivals, couldn't get much worse. Where do we begin? I think there's only one place to begin and that's with this offside offside decision. Let's be honest, it's disgraceful. It's only going to happen at two grounds in the whole Premier League. It's Anfield and Old Trafford, and it's only going to favour them two teams at home. That's it. It's not going to... Any other team in the league is not going to have it. There was... Just to go like the amount of times I've watched this offside, and the more angry I get each time I watched it, because I still do not understand how he's not interfering with play. The guy's running by the ball, like he couldn't do. <laughs> if he just stopped when he was offside, he wouldn't have interfered. You could argue, but the fact he's running beside it, which I've got sort of three main points. I don't know if anyone's seen the picture of where they've taken Rashford out of it. So they've just coloured it in. Basically, Rashford's gone. Akanji's next to the, pretty much next to the ball with no with no one in his way. So he one could have easily got that ball. So that's just first point of Rashford interfering. Two, Akanji's positioning of where he's going to be to sort of get the ball to defend. He's got to go around Rashford. So that's interfering with him trying to block the ball. And then thirdly, look at Edison. Edison doesn't... Edison's positioning is Rashford's going to take a shot. So I'm setting up for a Rashford shot on... I think it was his left foot. So to say he's not interfering is just ludicrous. And I honestly still have no idea how they've bottled this decision. Because that's what it is. The refs have bottled it. They've been... It some actually, I think it summed it up when you looked at the linesman. He put his flag up when that goal went in. Bruno Fernandez runs over to him. He's put the flag down and he started running ten yards down the line away from him, scared. Referee goes over to him. They've both they've both shit themselves, and that's it. They've gone. Oh oh oh! Rashford hasn't touched it. Uh, uh, let's give him a goal. It's at Old Trafford. They're one nil down. Because they'll get they'll get booed or whatever. It it, it just is so it's so bad how we can have officials doing this. Then what makes it worse is there's no VAR check. 
There was no VAR check on this decision. How how it's leading to a goal and it's an offside. How can VAR not be used in such a it's such a big <laughs> moment in the game? Like for, forget forget that they scored after. Forget that part. It's still a massive. It's it's not like it's three nil and three one means oh well it doesn't matter. It's drawing the game. It means we're dropping at that point two points. And then you've obviously got the momentum, which meant they went and scored the second. How can VAR not be used? And this is why I don't have a problem with VAR. I think it's actually good to use technology to help the game. The referees are useless. There's a handful, and I can't even think of any names that I would actually go, yeah, he's a decent referee. Like, I can't think of many. I can't, well, I can't think of any, to be honest, at the top of my head. Then if you go to Sky Sports, do a review on some of the decisions, what do they say? That should be offside. If I was refereeing that game, it's offside. The only person who ever who would agree with the onside decision did, and that's Peter Walton, because he's never disagreed with a referee decision. He's never <laughs> he's on BT and he just goes, Yeah, the referee's right. Doesn't matter. The referee could kick someone in the head and he'd go, yeah, the referee was right. That's just the way Peter Walton is. Now, I, you've seen tons of players come out with tweets going, clearly referee, these people who are refing this game don't understand football. Like they don't understand playing football. Because no, I, I haven't actually seen a tweet that has come out and gone, I actually think that was right. You had um, Luke Shaw in his press conference after going that happened against us I'd be absolutely fuming then it's you've quite got rare. Uh, it's quite rare you see that as well that 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 does say it all that says it all and then you've got um Mark Goldbridge who's obviously uh, another sort of YouTuber who if you don't know he's bigger than us so you probably do know <laughs> he's even gone I don't understand like it like all jokes aside he's a United fan and he's got. Um, he said his dad texted him, going, "I wanted United to win for for him because he he's not a United fan." And he went, "That is a disgrace of a decision." And Mark and Mark went, "Yeah, you're right. Obviously, he doesn't care. He's a United fan. He's benefiting from it." But you just see how, I think, unless you're blind United fan, you're seeing that as an offside decision. That's literally everyone seen it as an offside decision. So how can they get stuff this catastrophically wrong? And Thanks. I expect an apology from <laughs> the sort of referees association, but it doesn't mean anything. Now we do get decisions ourselves, like in other terms, but when you've not used VAR and everyone's in agreement nearly on the decision, I just don't understand it. Um. Yeah, I'm going to stop on that point before. Uh, <laughs> well, let's let's let's. We'll, I guess we'll give our thoughts on the decision first of all. I, f- I feel like with your three yeah, bullet points, we're just, uh, we're just missing a PowerPoint presentation of of why it was offside. Um, oh. Reese, where do you stand on on that specific offside decision? Before we get into the game, um, I mean, it is a strange one, isn't it? When I saw it at first, I was like, "That's that's offside," and. Um, the referees did actually apply the laws of the game because the laws have actually been recently changed. Um, in fact, according to the athletic here is a player is now judged to be offside. If they either touch the ball 
after being in offside position or their involvement stops an opposition player from playing the ball. Now, relatively, he didn't he didn't stop a or anything like that. Well, he um, did it. He's in the way. Ball. Well, this is where the this is where the laws can get very funny. Um, but because Rashford ran ran alongside the ball but didn't touch it, and no City defenders were in a position to touch the ball and divert away from Fernandez, as a result, it meant the goal stood. So that's very strange because. It, it fair enough, the laws were applied. Um, but it's strange, you know, you've had Dermot Gallagher say he wouldn't have given it. Um, you know, and it does go down to referee interpretation. Many people have argued if a kanji had slide tackled or made an attempt at a tackle, that would have then been given offside. Which of course you can't rely on a kanji to have to use that sort of harsh. If it was wrong in that decision of making a tackle, which he would have been sent off then. Yeah, exactly. You've got, make, you've got to make near red card tackles just just because you think they're offside. Yeah, I mean, he, he might not have got a, a red card for it because there was probably plenty sort of there to cover it. But by the by the law, the way the law stood, it's been given. I mean, I think it's strange. Personally, I think the interfering law should count like that. Otherwise, you're going to get people just pushing themselves further up the pitch um, to do that. You know, but then again, you know, these are the, you know, it was the likes of Guardiola, it's the likes of Klopp, it's all of them that wanted this rule in the first place. You know, we've had decisions before where a player's moved out of the way or or whatever, and they've all wanted it, and now they don't want it, you know, when it goes against them. It's just life. But I was surprised it did go, but if the law has been applied, then fine, it's harsh. But it's it's to me, it's, it's more of the general momentum of that goal. That decision, you know, that changed everything. This didn't give United just an equaliser. It went on to win them the game so late on. And I think that's what's more frustrating because that really turned everything around. So it's harsh, like, because City did so well to go 1-0 up. And I can see why they're frustrated. But at the same time, I also think, you know, this is the law we all wanted in place. And as soon as we... Then now we don't want it again. I, I have to disagree there. Like... No one wanted that in place. I'm sorry. No one wanted where you're so, like it's different if you're offside, the ball's come ball's meant to come towards you and then you've just left it. Not when you're running next to the ball. Oh, I don't like it at like, all because he, he was it's... running against the ball and the ball was for him. Well if to he me, pulls that, his hand is... if a kanji pulled his hand, that wouldn't be a red card, but then that then he means been last man, he would have been last man. He might not have been. Then, Wasn't there another? He was ahead. Walker. Walk, no, because otherwise Walker would have been in front of Bruno Fernandez. And, that, and, that, and that's when it all gets a bit blurry, then, doesn't it? Because like, is it worth a Kanji getting a red card for? No, but no, say, say he just like pulled his arm, like not enough to bring him down. But like, it, what is it then? Like when he touches him, then it, it he's in play, or like, I think that's yeah, what's probably not clear, even with the rule. You shouldn't be having to risk yourself getting a red card just to hope that no. That you know, it should be fair on both attacker and player, shouldn't it? The whole point of an offside is to stop attackers constantly just standing up at the other end of the pitch, but isn't really, it? Really, I, I still I think it's... Obviously, I've said my bit, but it's more like, what's the point of offside if that is not offside? I'm, that's really my theory. Otherwise, it should be just the law. It should be the law that you touch it, you're offside or not. Yeah, it's going that's, to encourage players now yeah, to act yeah. and put that into their tactics. Oh, just just run alongside the ball, stop him getting it. Yeah. It's not, you know, it, that's where it needs to be drawn the line. It had there had to be an incident for this for it to be brought under the spotlight and go, 
right, maybe we don't actually need this law at all. It's a shame it's happened in a game of this magnitude. It, it is, like for City. But, but like, yeah, it is a strange one because to me, you know, I don't think it should be a rule just because I think Rashford, he was told by Fernandez, you know, not to touch it. But, you know, and, and I think Fernandez's behaviour, I know he at the moment, but I thought that was unacceptable as well. Yeah, Fernandez is the same old, you know, same old guy, same old behaviour. Hopefully, at some point, refs will sort of clock onto that. Um, yeah, I mean, my 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 take on it, like, I think I was more at the time it went in. I, I was more in the camp of of yeah, decisions correct. And and the reason I said it initially at the time was when I basically the two or three replays I saw, I saw straight after, I was looking at the runs of a and Walker. And normally with players, when, when they see a runner go across, you see a bit of hesitation or slowing down. Um, neither of them did. So initially watching it, I was like, oh, it's not actually impacted their, their trajectory. However, fourth, fifth replays, one of the things I noticed was it's actually Edison's position for me that is the, the, big, the big factor. Because Edison, as you said, Jamie, if you look at Edison's position, he comes out as if Rashford's going to shoot. And, yeah. I, and look, it's still a good finish, whatever. But for me, it's actually less about Akanji and Walker and it's actually more about Edison coming out, anticipating the shot. Then it's not Rashford, then it's Fernandez, and there's a bit of a gap. So I've sort of flip-flapped on it. But yeah, the conclusion <laughs> probably siding more so with you, Jamie, in this case. But the conclusion in the end is just it. it's a poor, poor decision in a big game. And, you, you know, those, those, those ridiculous decisions... You know, we've seen it happen against us at Anfield. You know, it always seems to be the big home teams with the crowd get those decisions in the big games. Um, and that's in every game we've seen it. I don't know why, you know, crowd pressure, manager pressure, whatever it is, refs have got a. It's human nature to some degree, but refs have, have got to be better. Um, in terms of the actual game, like, Moving on from the decision slightly, to to play devil's advocate, I do think the the decision and the way it played out has taken a bit of attention off City. And and although yes, you were better in the second half, you didn't create much. And and I don't think on balance of the game you deserve to win. Um, and the stats the stats suggest I'm right on that zero point six five xg. Um, one shot on target. Um, and again, you know, we I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast, but you've gone away to Southampton, bottom of the league. Had I I think maybe one or, or less than not even one shot on target. So that's that's two shots on target max in two games. So yes, the decision was awful and, and it shouldn't have happened. But I do think there's a little bit of a, a dip in, in City at the minute. And I do think there's something going on. I don't know what, but yeah, you've been. It's so rare we see City in back-to-back games not be good enough. And I don't know. I think there's something going on. Um, like I, I think there's a few players who have just hit a bit of a bad form, and I don't know whether it's coming up back from the World Cup because I I do agree. I think our form has dropped slightly. Like we played Leeds um, on the twenty eighth of December. And Leeds were very poor that night. Like they couldn't string three, four passes together. So it was a comfortable win. But 
we still look like conceding in that game and we, we end up doing that. Um, then when we played Everton, I'm still going to go down a 0.05 XG goal <laughs> that's gone in and it won goal of the month and it was a terrific goal. So it's just like one of them, but it looked like we didn't create enough to win that game comfortably like we probably should have. Then when we played you at sort of Stamford Bridge, that first half, Pep messed with the tactics, but we were sloppy again. Um, it seemed to sort of blow over because of the FA Cup game, but it didn't really, like, that game was over due to um, a great free kick and then Havertz being an absolute idiot, really, and that ended the game. So then, yeah, the first half against United, to get back to the derby, we had tons of the ball, but the way United set up was, like, I think the tactics from Ten Hag was very much, let's shut you out. You Your centre-backs can have the ball all half. You're going to try and play into midfield. The whole point then is to win that ball back and then hit Rashford to go on and try and get a chance. Like, he got into one of the chances and Edison made the save. In that first half, it was kind of like, I think we didn't have a shot on target in the first half. We controlled most of the ball, but United just wanted that counter-attack kind of, that's the way their tactics set up and it was working. Second half, though, was more of the way City play. We we were all over United, but they still had that good defensive structure. So we're not, we're not a side that's going to be like, we're not going to cross in 20 balls in. We're going to try and make that three, four passes around the box before we get it in. And we it just wasn't working at times. But the second half, I think we were showing much more what we actually do without the shots. And I don't want to credit them because I don't like them, but that's a credit to United rather than, I think, City not being great. Then... There was one bit of sort of, there was a bit that they had a sp- space open. De Bruyne gets the cross in, Grealish scores. And so that's where I think it actually worked. What our game plan was, it kind of worked. We were just probing and probing, maybe not coming off as much as we'd like, but we got that chance, we scored it. It's not After very rare. The... It's rare though. It's rare yeah, that City have under, under one XG in any game with what many would call the world's best striker. You know, Harlan, Harlan, Harlan before the game, Harlan versus Luke Shaw. You'd bet your house on 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 Harlan scoring or, or you know. Yeah, he, he, he didn't, didn't have a sniff. Really, he didn't really go to him though. That's what I found and I found that odd. And I also watched um I think it was Wolves. I think it was Co- Diego Costa. And before that game I was just like, right, Diego Costa, stick to Luke Shaw. Because when that ball goes up in the air to you, you should win, let's say, 80% of them. And that's a great sort of percentage against sort of a United defender. But then Haaland didn't really do that as well. Um, I think it was more we weren't, we, we just didn't get the ball into the box enough. And that was kind of, yeah, I, I understand sort of when Luke Shaw's there, we should be targeting him trying to dominate him in a centre-back role. It is where our goal came from, that little pocket 
between Luke Shaw and um, who was at left back, Malassia. It was, so that's where our goal came from. We should have done more of that, really. But it was also a slight credit to United that they their defensive shape was sort of nullifying us. And when you've got players who weren't hitting their proper form, it all clicks into being quite poor. Because I don't think De Bruyne, De Bruyne wasn't at it. Fred man-marked him for the majority of the game and did a good job. Phil Foden wasn't really in the game much and that's why he got subbed off for Grealish. Mares was probably the best out of our front three and I wouldn't say he did a lot, but he was fouled seven or eight times by Malassia. I don't actually think he got booked and you're just like, how many times do I have to watch the same foul before persistent fouling comes in? But that weren't going to change the game. The slight concerning one was after we conceded the goal, the goal, I'm going to call it, it's how defensively open we were to um, Garnaccio playing on the sort of left wing because Walker really should have been there. And he was too far forward. And you're like, when they've just scored, you've got to keep your defensive shape. Otherwise, momentum gets with them and they score. And that's what's happened. And I do, like, we've said it with sort of Chelsea. We've seen it with Liverpool. When teams have their defence, like, they've had their defensive injuries, you will start conceding more. We have Stones was out, Diaz was out, and Laporte was on the bench because he's not 100% fit yet. So they're, they're our three best centre-backs, really. Not this season, but they they are overall. So it's more... Is it because we're not got the centre backs? We're not performing as well, but yeah, I know I've waffled on for quite a while. But <laughs> well, just just I guess before we move on to the north side, North London derby, I've got one question for you both. So, Reese, first and foremost, are Man United now in the title race? Yes or no? Um, mathematically, yeah. I mean, the momentum's behind them, isn't it? So I'm, I'm, I think they're they're in it. You know, they 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 play us on Sunday, so that's quite a big uh, factor in in where that's going. But I, I I think they are. Jamie, different question for you. Are you still confident Man City will win the league despite being eight points behind? Um, probably not as confident as I was. I still think we can, but. These next sort of games coming up are what determine the season. We've got Spurs midweek. Then it's a game against Wolves, but we've got like, well, we've got Spurs coming up twice. We've got Arsenal in the cup and then coming up again. It's big games. It's literally like big game, big game, big game. So I think it gets determined within this probably, we'll know probably within a month whether we're going to be bang on it or we're, Arsenal were going to run away with it. That's how I kind of see it. So I won't say I'm confident because eight points is a lot. But City have done it before where we've come back from eight points behind. Yeah. So we'll see. And we've got to play yeah. Arsenal twice too, which at the moment isn't looking like an easy feat, but anything can happen. Well, that brings us nicely on to Arsenal. So the North London derby wasn't as feisty as previous fixtures until after the game. 
Um, we normally see the the kicks and the uh, the aggression during the game, but instead it all all kicked off at the end. Reese, this is a huge win for Arsenal. Whatever way you you look at it, how happy were you with the result and the performance? Oh, massive, hundred percent. You know, all round. I mean, I think I think that's it. It was the manner of the performance. You know, the pressure was on the team to extend the gap, and they did, and they did it comfortably as well. You know, if you look at the first half, Spurs did nothing. And it was a matter of Spurs not just being poor. It was a matter of fact that Arsenal were just 100 times better than they were. Didn't let them rest. Didn't let them rest. You know, they were lucky to not have been 4-0 down at halftime. And then they were still comfortable in the second half. You know, it was an outstanding performance. Um, Saka was brilliant. Udegaard was brilliant. Thomas Partey was just marvellous. You know, if his shot would have gone in from 25 yards, that would have been goal of the season. You know, un- unbelievable. You know, they were out- absolutely outstanding. And, you know, Lloris, we have to question him again. I've been critical of him before. I'm critical of him again. That was poor. If anything, he should have stopped both goals or at least got a touch to the second one. Arsenal was superb, you know, and you saw it just by as well how they're all, you know, they've got Udegaard leading by example. Xhaka, you know, showing great leadership. You know, Ramsdale does need to curb in his you know, his behaviour a little bit, but he was outstanding. You know, I've heard that the fan that attacked him has been punished. So they've now been told they've got a season ticket for the rest of their life. <laughs> so well, that's that's punishment beyond belief. He was hoping for a stadium ban, I'm sure, <laughs> in that performance. But but yeah, no, in all seriousness, um, yeah, it was brilliant performance. I, I don't sound like I'm over the moon, but I am, but there's still a long way to go. We can't, we can't just take winning against the rivals and get all excited about that. You know, you've got to look to the next game and that's Man United and that's their game is a hundred times bigger now due to what's on what's at stake, you know, and that's potentially extending a lead even further. I mean that Man United game now is 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 monumental really. Um you wouldn't have said it as I said th- maybe three, four weeks ago. You would have looked at that and gone, yeah, can probably beat United. But now they've found some form. They've had, you know, they're getting a bit of luck, as we've said. So that I think that's now a massive game. But you've got to compliment Arsenal. You know, again, it's it's hard for me to say, but well, I, I say I was wrong pre-season. I mean, I think we were all wrong about Arsenal. E- even even the most optimistic Arsenal fans, I don't think would have thought they'd ever be in this position. Um, especially given you know City strengthened with Haaland, you know, other teams sign players. So again, you've got to give credit to Arteta what he's done with with no previous managerial experience with a young squad it is absolutely mind-blowing um and not only does he deserve credit but it also gives other teams in the league in my opinion a little bit of hope you know we talk about long-term projects we talk about spending having faith in a manager and it's definitely relevant for you know Chelsea at the minute as well but this Arteta is now living proof that it's not just going to be the City show every year and they're going to run away with it. And you don't need a fully complete squad. You, you know, we've said it before. I don't think Arsenal's squad is, it's not the best. And, you know, if you maybe had three, four injuries, potentially you might lose that momentum, but you're not, you, you know, everything's going your way. You're playing good football. You're not really getting that many injuries. Um, and you just don't look like, we, we, we keep saying, you know, oh, City will turn it on, City will turn it on. They've got to play Arsenal twice but right now you, you, you'd struggle to back against Arsenal even against City 
they just look so complete, so on it. And and City, as I said, you know, seem to be dipping a little bit. I mean, they, they are an example of, of where, you know, I think Arsenal's model is an example of where football is going, you know, down that American route. And I've said it to you two before, you know, a coach <clears throat> learns from other coaches, cuts his teeth and then actually gets to coach, you know, don't sack him after six games and actually get to coach to improve the players and make the decisions. You know, the Cronkers have done that with the LA Rams and they won the Super Bowl last year. And it works. So, you know, that model is going to become more of a popular thing here in England. It's just whether team clubs are willing to instigate that properly and the players all fit the system. It is working. Look, there's no point in getting ahead of ourselves because I, I would have said top four is and still will always be the goal at this moment in time. And my concern is if we lose a few games, fans are going to start getting toxic. Oh, but, you know, oh, we finished third, it's a joke. But, you know, fourth should have always been the aim. So you should be happy if we finish inside that top four. If we fall completely out of it, it's a complete failure. Yeah. But you look now, don't you look completely and utterly, utterly nailed on for top four. And, and that, but yeah, as you said, even if you went and lost a few games, the fact you've absolutely comfortably got top four, it looks like, you know, the, the team's below. Like, I was, I was looking yesterday, you know, the top four now is going to be the top four. Spurs, despite being fifth, have been absolutely terrible. You've got Chelsea off it, Liverpool off it, Fulham and Brighton. You know they're doing well, but they're not. They're, they're not going to get in the top four. Obviously, we, we needed to lose that that top four spot last year to improve because you've got to learn from things. You can't just be giving it and then have yeah. nothing to build on. So it, it was a blessing in disguise, and I thought that would be the case. Even though I said we'd finish six at the start of the season, just because the teams were better, but it was something to learn on, regardless. So, you know, it's paid dividends. Jamie, what, what's your thoughts on Arsenal at the minute? Like, you can't fault them, sort of like the Spurs game. If you watch them the first half, they didn't really want half time to come because they were they were going to score again. It, it was one way of traffic and utter dominance and. I don't think anyone could argue with that. Second half, you could tell they didn't need a goal. I think Ramsdale played very well. We, I think, I, did, I think Sky Sports put up a stat of something like he saved like two point one xG from a few of his saves, and he was superb. Um, I, I, with Ramsdale, I think I said it to you after the game, Reese. It's more that's a part of Ramsdale. He's gonna be. Winding, winding fans up. He's gonna, he's gonna make a few. He's gonna do something a bit reckless at one point, or he's gonna make a an error here. But he's also gonna produce games like he did against Spurs. He's a modern day goalkeeper, isn't he? Pickford's yeah. an example. Nur's an example. Edison's an example. You know, they all have that costly mistake in them. But then for a couple of games, you know, they put in performances like yeah. that. Yeah, you've seen it. Sort of even Allison at Liverpool's made a few sort of errors more with his feet than saving. But um, with I wanted to go just quickly to the fan kicking, which is despicable. Really shouldn't happen. Um, Spurs will get sort of Spurs will get rid of him. He'll be banned probably for life. You can't be doing that. Ramsdale giving it back to Spurs just before that though. I've heard like I know what it'd be like. He's gonna have had grief for at least forty-five minutes from that side of the pitch. Um, so he's gonna give a bit back. And what he did wasn't awful. 
I know Richarlison came over and I don't actually mind Richarlison trying to defend Spurs in the way he's done that and been like, yeah, he's gone and grabbed his bottle and he was going to bugger off. The fans then made it a hundred times worse, really. Um, but I think as an Arsenal fan, like Arsenal fans should love it. Love that Ramsdale does something like that. Yeah. When he's had a superb game. Um, talking about the other goalie, I give up with Lloris. Like Spurs fans must be sick of him. They must be going right. Who is our next goalie? Because he makes mis- so many mistakes. Although saying that Thursday he's going to have a ten out of ten game, I might put a bet on him having man the match. <laughs> watch him save. I'll I'll give him what four or five world class saves. But yeah, with with that first goal, oh, I was just in such disbelief. I know there was a deflection, but come on. It still wasn't going in. So it was actually better if you just got rid of Lloris then. It was still going to go past the goal and go wide. Stand up straight. Yeah. All he had to do was go like that, literally, and it just would have hit him and gone off. Yeah. Like, oh, it was, yeah, I I was just in disbelief when that went in. Um, but, like, take nothing away from Arsenal. They battered them in the first half. And then the second half, Spurs were on top, but you could tell Arsenal didn't need a goal. Um, one person I think should get a bit of credit um, is Inketia. He's had a lot of stick. And when Jesus got injured, they went, he's not good enough. He's not going to do anything. He's like, you can't really go, oh, Inketia didn't score, so you can't give him credit. Jesus wasn't scoring, but people still give him credit. So I think Inketia deserves, like, he's still not as good as Jesus, in my opinion, but he's fitting in the squad and doing a job. So I think he deserves some credit, like fair play to him. Yeah, he's not. I still think he's good, but he's been superb. He's not. He's not. You can't fault him so far. Like if you need people scoring goals around him, like he's not someone like like a he's not a Harland type goal scorer kind of thing. He's not that type of player. He's someone who's going to work hard for the team. Um, and he sort of yeah, and he try, he sort of I didn't want to say bully, but like there was one instance where in the second half you had a throw in, and he had two two centre halves with him, one behind, one in front. He managed to bring that ball down, which is shocking from the Spurs' point of view, but wonderful from Arsenal's point of view and his point of view. He's stepping up when you need him to. From my point of view, I hope it doesn't continue. I hope he stops scoring and I hope he has some stinkers. But I need that when you're eight points clear. And just, I guess, one kind of final question from me. Well, Reese, I'll get my dig in anyway. Um Obviously, you had Madrid, you lost him to Chelsea, even though we're 10th. Um, do do Arsenal and, and should Arsenal strengthen in January? Because what you don't want to do in some cases is, is bring in players who might upset the balance. So do you guys think Arsenal should make any sign-ins or just completely leave it, let momentum sort of carry on? They have to, because I think signing will play that fits their club culture will carry on that momentum. They need cover for Partey and they probably need just that one other attacking outlet. So if they're going to take Martinelli off or whatever, who are they going to bring on, you know, consistently? But Mudrick is it's one of them things. You know, I agree Arsenal shouldn't have had to have paid what they wanted, as silly as that sounds. They're not going to be held to ransom for that. They're going to look for other options because you want it, you know, City do the same thing, Newcastle currently doing it. So they probably made the right call, even though I think Mudrick's a great player. 
to find someone that's going to fit their system and fit that way of culture and help build that momentum. Because if they can bring someone in that improves the team, it's only going to be a beneficial thing. Otherwise, they could be one or two injuries away from a serious problem. I think I'd agree with Reese on that. It's you've also got to look at the bigger picture. So let's say let's say Arsenal don't win the league. They've still got to look for a player that's going to fit Arsenal for four or five years at least. And like Arteta's project, he's definitely ahead of what he thought in his projects. Like I don't think anyone else can I think he's even admitted that that they're ahead. So the whole point is sticking with that project, bringing the right players for the right price. And like Reese said, City have done it. And quite a lot of them have worked out. I remember Sanchez being one. There was, yeah, just a few others. I couldn't remember it's on my head, but they it sometimes works out. And I don't know enough about the guy, but you might have overpaid Jordan. <laughs> that, that's kind of my, I don't know. I don't know enough about him, but I still think you probably have overpaid, but that's not your money. So you don't really... It don't matter, and I've I've seen us overpay for players. Yeah, well. uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> he, no, he looks good. He looks good, but kind of you got respect to Arsenal for not sort of. I, I still think you should have done it. Like when he, when a player wanted, it, it seemed to join you. I think you should have just got it over the line. But you know your losses are gain. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you both. Like if the right player is is available, you snap him up in Jan. As long as it's not someone with a massive ego who's going to come in and think that you know Billy Bill. Billy Big Bollocks, um, you you should be fine, uh, and it it shouldn't upset the balance. But there you go. That just about wraps us up for another episode. As always, like, comment, and subscribe. You know the drill. Oh.